Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast. Terry DuPont is the founder of DuPont Advisory Group, a group dedicated to providing comprehensive services to successful business owners, medical, and other professionals. Terry has top-of-the-table status in the prestigious International Million Dollar Roundtable, placing him among the top one-tenth of 1% of all professional financial advisors in the world. Terry's philosophy is, I've learned that I grow and prosper more by focusing on the success of others rather than fretting over my own. Terry is a certified financial professional with the Institute of Financial Wellness, an advisor for the power of zero taxes in retirement, chartered retirement plans specialist, certified wealth preservation planner, and certified philanthropic developer. On the podcast, Terry brings together experts in their field who have succeeded in building their business to share their secrets with you. And now, here's your host, Terry DuPont. Welcome, everyone, to a better business, better life, building on your success. And I'm your host, Terry DuPont. Today, ladies and gentlemen, on our episode, we have Josh Molinchuk. Uh, and Josh is president of uh, JM Tax Advocates, which is a uh, tax specialist in Fisher, Indiana. And they they have a significant experience or have, have a significant experience uh, when, with delivering cost reduction opportunities in the areas of real and personal property, tax reviews, compliance, and economic incentives. Josh brings extensive experience uh, in real and personal property tax appeal advocacy, real estate appraisal and testimony, economic incentive procurement and audits, property tax compliance planning and delivery, business combination property tax due diligence and research, uh, and fixed asset reviews and planning, property tax accrual reviews, and planned value estimates, along with SARBOX 404 property tax compliant control evaluation. Josh, that was a mouthful. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. I appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, with, with you and your members. Yeah, uh, we're, we're honored to have you, Josh. And so thank you for taking the time out. Um, Josh, uh, uh, can you tell us a little more and in, in, in layman's terms for our listeners and, and viewers uh, what it is that you do? Because I read a list, but they may not uh, you know, have their arms around all that. Um, so can you tell us a little, a little bit about what you do and why you started your career? Yeah, so um, what my team does here at JM, JM Tax Advocates is we'll uh, essentially take uh, the commercial and industrial property tax bill for our clients um, and evaluate how our client is, is uh, managing the property tax. And, and usually that kind of looks like this. They pay the bill and that's it. And hopefully they pay, pay the bill on time, right? To avoid the 10% the penalty. And so we'll basically take that uh, management process and insert what's called a review process. So um, we'll scrutinize um, all of the um, kind of inputs uh, for the property tax bill. Um, if it's the tax on the building and land, which is your real estate tax bill, um, we'll look at how the assessor is estimating fair market value 
Um, it will come up with our own independent determination of what the proper assessed value should be uh, to determine if an appeal should be filed and, um, and, and what the basis of that appeal should be. Um, and so the whole uh, mission there is to move the needle south on, on the tax bill, you know, to, to lower that bill. Um, on the business personal property side, depending on the state reporting requirements and whether a state taxes business personal property on such items as manufacturing equipment, inventory, you know, other furniture and fixtures and the like, um, we'll review the returns that are prepared by either internally with the client or with their CPA firm. And we'll, again, insert our review process uh, to evaluate whether amended returns should be filed uh, for current year filings, possibly back year filings. So um, there's a lot of moving parts with that, that type of review, um, but it all adds to the bottom line through improved profitability when we're, when we're done, if all goes well, right? And so on average, we're able to lower the property tax bill by 20%. And so it's an extremely valuable service. Not many uh, uh, companies or especially their generalist CPA firms will know how to review a property tax bill and, and, and lower it based upon, you know, that extensive review and audit process. So that, that's kind of what we do on the property tax side. On the incentives, you know, we're really kind of looking at forward uh, planning for uh, the business expansion. So we're looking at such uh, inputs as uh, capital expansion at certain locations, whether the building is going to expand, whether the equipment levels are going to expand, and then evaluating headcount expansion, um, looking at certain uh, uh, skill building that, that might be occurring within the plant to, to, to um, uh, determine if a, a grant should be pursued for, for those education efforts. And so, you know, there's a lot of moving parts with the, the incentive planning as well. Um, but there's a lot of value with that. And, and, you know, there can be cash grants available to match some of the funds that businesses are outlaying for some of these activities. Um, there may be kind of a moratorium process that you have to put in place um, to stay the execution or on, on, on property taxes for a period of time. And so each state uh, kind of has their own incentive process. And when you're looking at project-based incentives, depending on the magnitude of the project, will also drive what potential benefit and, and the magnitude of that um, for, for a, any business that is expanding. So um, the, the biggest deal with incentives is, is really getting ahead of the expansion by at least six to nine months because certain activities will actually disqualify that project from incentives, such as filing a permit um, or going ahead and, and advertising that you're going to expand there to, to start, you know, uh, hiring efforts at that locale or um, walking down to the economic developer planner office and saying, hey, I'm going to expand. What can you do for me? I mean, that's very typical for a business to do that. At that point, they've lost what's called their but for uh, provision, which is but for the incentives, you wouldn't have, you know, gotcha. Dug, gotcha. dug dirt and 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 expanded. So, you know, that's an important that's right? an important planning process there. Now you, you let the cat out of the bag, you, you kind of mess things up. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, as far as my background, um, I worked in public accounting for about 18 years, half in big four and then half in top 10 regional accounting. Um, my, my start of my career started, uh, in, in financial audit, uh, you know, a financial audit position. Um, I just really did not enjoy, uh, performing financial audits. So after about uh, two years, uh, with working heavy hours, heavy travel, you know, uh, small raises to, to compensate all of the, the hard work and efforts, you know, I wanted a different path. And so, the, the accounting firm that I was working for at the time uh, bought out a boutique state and local tax consulting firm who, you know, had a property tax group in-house. And and um, and so I uh, decided to intern there and, and just see, you know, kind of what property tax was all about. Right. And, you know, a lot of the skills that, that I learned, at, you know, with performing financial audits really translated into that function. And 28 years later, you know, I've become a, a, an expert and, you know, work on some of the largest industrial and commercial property tax uh, assessments uh, with commercial property throughout the United States. Okay. So you're not restricted to Indiana by any stretch? No. And, and so we do a lot of work um, within the Midwest, Southeast, um, some in the Northeast, uh, you know, mainly kind of clustered centrally in the United States, but we have capabilities of working any state in the United States, as long as it's not a practice of law state, which in that case, we're, we're partnering with uh, Compton Legal Counsel um, to execute our work plan for our client. Okay. I, I failed to uh, mention at the beginning that you are a CPA, Certified Public Accountant, correct? Yeah, so I have about eight credentials, uh, including a CPA and uh, certified general real estate appraiser license, um, along with the uh, CMI designation with the Institute for Professionals and Taxation as well. And then a handful of uh, state credentials as certified tax representative uh, 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 licenses uh, to be able to practice as a property tax consultant in the states that require that license. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you mentioned a couple things and, and something, you know, uh, entered my mind and that what you do, uh, um, and, and pardon me if I'm well off, but uh, what you do sounds like cost remediation, but specialized on property tax on steroids. That is correct. And, and, you know, most businesses don't realize, um, that, Property tax is is such a heavy burden and is likely the number one or number two tax burden uh, for any capital intensive business. So it, it's a big deal. Um, not many practitioners know how to, again, review and implement a strategy or, or maybe they don't have the credentials or experience know-how um, to, to move the needle south. And so, um, you know, that that property tax overage, let's just say a, a business, you know, doesn't um, scrutinize um, what could be a, a $100,000 overage, right? Well, that property tax error is not going to go away and it's going to perpetuate every year um, and it's not going to resolve itself by itself, right? Unless someone, you know, like uh, a specialist like me comes in, diagnoses the issue, um, possibly files a protest with 
the local or state government uh, that was responsible for assessing the property and going through a petition process all the way through to the end where there's some acknowledgement by the assessor that that their original assessment was wrong by settling at a lower value, which then drives the tax bill downward. And so um, I would say uh, it's rare that I will stumble into a company that knows every state process, uh, soup to nuts, um, to be able to execute a property tax reduction strategy. And, and that's where we really shine and, and, and can help um, with a business when they want to save money and improve their profitability with, with such a, a heavy burden area like property taxation. Yeah. And, and you bring up a couple of valid points, I believe. Um, you know, for our listeners that are not business owners or they're business owners, but they're not in commercial or industrial, uh, and, and these people are thinking property taxes, um, the, what you're talking about is much, much, much more on property taxes than property taxes on a home, correct? I mean, it's a big deal because instead of be paying, you know, I live in a rural area here in Northern mm -hmm. Indiana. And mine are expensive. They're about $3,600 a year compared to most homeowners, right? And, and, right. and, and uh, but that's nothing compared to taxes on commercial property. Is that correct? That, that is correct. And so the tax bill is much higher. Um, but in Indiana, um, commercial and industrial property owners actually pay a higher tax rate, um, sometimes as much as three times higher because of what's called the circuit breaker rate. And, and some of those kind of rate categories or assessment categories exist all over the United States where, you know, the commercial and industrial guys are paying a much higher bill than the homeowners because the homeowners can vote, businesses can't. And so, you know, they're going after the businesses for that pound of flesh, you know, with, with property taxes. You know, um, Terry, the, the other complicating factor is, um, you know, if you were to try to estimate the value of your home, um, you're going to have a lot of typically a lot of sales in your neighborhood. Um, you'll, you'll pretty much know uh, within a close proximity where your assessed value per foot and per bedroom should be um, based upon sales that occur, you know, repeatedly, um, you know, within, say, six months in the neighborhood with a commercial and industrial property, uh, especially a, a rural community like you're explaining, you're lucky to see a sale of let's say a half a million square foot industrial plant, like maybe ever, <laughs> or, yes. or if you do, it's going to be 10 years ago, you know, so finding quality transaction data um, when most county and state assessors are limited with their resources can be a real undertaking. And so, you know, in that case of that half a million square foot industrial property, that local assessor almost has no chance of, uh, accurately estimating the fair market value of that property just through the means that they have. And so what ends up happening is they'll develop more of an insurable value approach. They'll have these mass appraisal models that start with cost and then some linear depreciation uh, with, with that the state will publish. And then there's no kind of checkpoint with what that value per foot range should be based upon what a typical market participant would expect to pay for that property, right? Um, by comparison, you know, we've made painstaking efforts to invest in 
subscriptions and validation methods uh, for transactions um, throughout the United States. And so, you know, with a half a million square foot facility like that, you're probably looking at a regional buyer. Well, your sales search should really be a regional approach. So I'm looking for sales in Indiana, in Kentucky, you know, maybe Ohio, you know, I'm kind of expanding my net to, mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, you know, what, what would someone realistically pay for that property um, with normal market consideration uh, with cash um, as of that assessment date that we're trying to replicate. And, and so um, that's kind of more of a credible approach and um, it, it results in a more realistic answer that approximates fair market value better for, uh, for, for a larger, more complex property that I've described. Okay. Um, thus far, um, Josh, what would you say your biggest challenges been that you've faced? Yeah, so probably um, the the biggest challenge has been uh, convincing property owners to review their property taxes because maybe they think they're covered with their CPA uh, or a generalist attorney. They think they're 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 in good shape because no one has filed an appeal, and so they've kind of been lulled to sleep so to speak and so just educating the marketplace that hey a specialist approach can really make a big difference you know and and having that seasoned navigator inserted to at least evaluate whether you've been overpaying historically is is a great start um, because chances are we'll be able to find and uncover savings that you never knew existed just with being open-minded to change the process up a bit. Yeah, I think that's very important. I, I uh, see that uh, virtually every day um, in my business because we, we run a virtual family office here. We have top experts from all over the country in about every area that you can think. And when we talk to a business owner about reducing their income taxes, and they say, well, I've got a good CPA and I, 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 you know, I would hope and imagine that they have a good CPA. But the problem is, um, you know, that's not the CPA's job. You know, that's right. You know, they they, they spend all, all their time, uh, you know, working with clients, doing their tax returns, their compliance work, auditing, payroll, bookkeeping. And uh, most of them just don't have time to do proactive tax planning. And that's not their fault. Right. Um, and so. Uh, you know, we go in and work with the CPAs, much like I'm, I'm assuming that you do, uh, and uh, work as a team. Is that right? That's that's exactly right. And and so, um, and then the, the second area that um, we, we run into that that's a challenge is is just convincing a business to not be a do-it-yourselfer, right? <laughs> you know that that you know going in and, and and arguing for the business without all of the data that you know will help you first of all evaluate whether you should file an appeal to begin with but then secondly you know having great support through competent qualified market evidence takes a lot of time and in in many cases CPAs have no training to to appraise property like that properly and and so you know that's where you know adding a seasoned resource to their team um, and borrowing that specialist knowledge to execute that plan can make all the difference in the world. And, and the same 
holds true with the incentive um, type projects. You know, when we see a do-it-yourselfer approach, that business is typically leaving at least 50% of the incentive benefit on the table by not having a competitive negotiation uh, process that, that we can do as an independent advocate for a maximum level incentive project. And so um, the difference is we're, we're going in and, and looking at alternative sites, um, negotiating deals in parallel with alternative sites, and then making sure that everyone is sharpening their pencil on the economic development side um, so that that company is um, achieving maximum level incentives um, to help compensate for, for their growing pains with, with hiring and, and with capital expansion. And then secondly, negotiating for usable incentives. How many times do we see that that business will actually be asking for uh, deduction items that would be dependent on paying corporate income tax levels at the state level um, when in fact their depreciation is eating up all of their uh, taxable taxability. And so, you know, that's, that's part of the planning. You know, we want to make sure that that business we're negotiating incentives that they'll be able to use them, that they're at maximum levels. And at the end of the day, um, they're achieving savings that we validate as part of our turnkey solution to provide compliance assistance throughout the life of the incentive, which may last as long as 20 years. You know, so that that's another aspect with a do-it-yourself approach. Um, the controller is normally going to run out of gas after about five to 10 years with dealing with compliance surveys. And then you're eroding the benefit of that incentive, right? And so if we're helping, we're just providing that as part of our solution and um, helping that business not only achieve the savings, but to validate that they're uh, achieving the savings that, you know, is ex as expected and negotiated as part of the original agreement for, for those incentive uh, amounts. Tell me, Josh, uh, what's something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? The experience and the time that I spent public accounting, um, you know, probably just uh, having that epiphany a little earlier, you know, so, uh, you know, so I would have started the business, you know, right. maybe, uh, maybe a few years earlier than I did. But that being said, um, you know, working in big four and regional accounting was a great education in and of itself, uh, a great proving ground. Uh, you know, again, had had exposure to some of the largest largest taxpayers in the country, you know, during, you know, that 18 year stint. And, and so it was highly valuable. Um, so no regrets there. Uh, but, you, you know, and you found your niche at the one of the big at the big four. Right. That, might, that's right. Might not have found it. Uh, that's yeah. exactly right. But, you know, hindsight's always 2020. But, you know, starting the business maybe a few years earlier. And, and, and just kind of getting over the uh, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, mindset block of, you know, gosh, can I be ex uh, successful? I've got to mortgage my entire home, you know, with the SBA to start this business up and and take that risk. You know, I, I think that would have been an easier dis uh, decision had I known what I know today and, and, and seen it play out over the past 14 years that, that you know, since founding my own firm. As a, a state tax specialist, uh, you've been involved in real and personal property tax appeal uh, advocacy. Now, can you discuss a challenging case 
where your advocacy skills played a crucial role in achieving a favorable outcome uh, for the client at the time. Sure. Yeah. So we um, we serve a number of tier one automotive Japanese automotive manufacturers, right? And one of which comes to mind uh, was kind of more of in, in do-it-yourself mode, you know, very little questioning. Um, they were using a CPA firm to just prepare their returns. Um, or one of their divisions were they were doing it in-house. And so, you know, step one, we kind of did an initial assessment evaluation to determine the, the, the state of their reporting, right? And, and what we uncovered is, is that their real estate values were grossly overassessed. Um, secondly, in-house, they were reporting property in classifications that were actually causing them to pay more property tax than they should have. And then the third area was that they were negotiating economic incentives by themselves and not getting the maximum uh, achieved benefit. And so our job was basically to help transform their management uh, for, for all of those areas to be more opportunistic and planning oriented and strategic, you know, which we, we did over about a year and a half period of time. Um, and over a two year period, we saved them $7.1 million in, wow. in property wow. tax and economic incentive. Uh, I, I imagine my, our listeners are gonna like that number. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Well, and it's very common that we'll be able to negotiate incentive packages that offset five to 20 percent of their, their capital spend. You know, so, you know, if you're looking at a business that is, say, looking to grow by 50 million dollars, which I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of those types of projects out there for manufacturers who need to automate these days. Right. Um, you know, 20 percent on that. I mean, that that's a game changer. For a mid-market type business, you know, to achieve ten million dollars in benefits, and, and so, so that's that's kind of our norm. I mean, sometimes we're more or less, but at the end of the day, we're able to offer that assurance that there's no uh, there's mo no money left on the table. We're uncovering every rock and and really completing the diligence um, and and inserting a, a lot of experience into the process, which makes a big difference to to the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I anticipate that uh, uh, some of our listener, listeners were gonna gonna want to know if they qualify for something like this. So, if you could tell me now, I think you probably just explained to us your best fit client. Mm -hmm. So, but for our listeners, what what type of property value uh, do they have to have for it makes sense for them to hire you? Well, Terry, normally we're looking at a couple million dollars in assessed value, right? Um, it's not and right. It's, it's not a massive number. You know, a couple million dollars, they're probably paying, you know, somewhere around fifty dollars to $100,000 in property taxes when you factor in the business personal property tax along with the real estate they're probably hitting a six digit number, right? And so so that is a good project. Um, if we're able to achieve a 20% benefit and that recurs over time, 
that's time well spent on everyone's part, right? And so um, the the fits the best fits that we see these days um, for our services would be first of all manufacturers, um, secondly senior care, so the assisted living, skilled nursing type sites. They pay a ginormous property tax bill. Hotels um, generally pay a, a, at least a hundred thousand per hotel, and and they're they're high values these days. And so um, you know those are great fits. Um, with the the senior care and hotels, you know, there's there's a lot of complexity with unbundling from their business going concern. What would be the true real estate? And so, because of that complexity, the assessors almost never get the real estate valuations right because they're not unbundling intangibles and FF and E uh, type amounts uh, from the cash stream like we can. Right. So, um, you know, that's part of our process. Um, the uh, what I would say is um, we provide a no cost initial evaluation uh, when we're getting to know a business. So we'll based upon their public records, we can determine how much property tax they pay. We can also determine whether they look to be over assessed based upon historical assessment data. And, and then we can propose a game plan that makes sense uh, for rolling out our solutions um, to, to the business as part of that qualified discussion. So, you know, the, the, the nice thing is we're making a great use of everyone's time, even with the initial meeting that we're having with the business, because we're doing our homework up front and, and not just, you know, taking a, a generic fishing expedition to hopefully find something, right? Um, so we offer that for no charge. The other aspect that is a really great, um, part of how our clients can uh, be engaged and, and how we engage our clients is we offer a contingency fee uh, type structure. Um, so if the business doesn't achieve savings, which is extremely rare, by the way, um, there's no fee. So it's a very simple fee. And if we achieve savings, our fee is funded uh, in multiples with the uh, achieved savings to the business. Gotcha. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. That's that's good information for our listeners. Thank you. Um, so so it kind of works like auto insurance, where you know you don't pay for it until you get into a wreck. You know, so so we're going to be monitoring that assessment over our engagement term. You know, which normally spans a few years, and and if we see something, we'll appeal it and and then go to work with our plan. If we you know, believe that the assessment is fair. Again, no no fee until we actually uh, are needed to um, solve a problem like that. Excellent, that's awesome. Uh, Josh, having taught at the Institute of uh, for, for, for uh, excuse me uh, for professionals in taxation, um, what motivated you to share your expertise in in this field, and how has this experience influenced your approach? Uh, to tax advocacy. That's a mouthful. So, well, so so that's just kind of part of um, part of my personality. I, I always like to share my knowledge with 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 uh, you know interested listeners, right? So, um, you know, in the past um, you know twenty eight years or so, I've had some fantastic uh, public speaking opportunities with a number of CPA society groups uh, across the United States with the IPT, you know, for uh, uh, such areas as, as, as incentives and, and clawbacks that can happen 
uh, when a business uh, maybe falls short of their original promises. Um, and, you know, it, it's just been a great opportunity to, to kind of build knowledge in, in the marketplace because, you know, any CFO or controller should really care about this big burden area. Um, but in a lot of cases, they don't know that there are resources that can help them uh, really execute on a reduction strategy and move that needle south. And so, um, you know, because it's a big burden area, half the battle is just helping people understand that they should. There are solutions uh, to help with lowering the property tax um, and, you know, why a do it yourself approach is not going to be ideal um, when you're looking to maximize benefits across the board with all the solutions that, that we offer to, uh, to any business owner. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Josh, how do you define success? Uh, first and foremost, I define success with a satisfied and happy client. Um, secondly, I define success with uh, establishing a, a long-term relationship uh, in, in at the renewals uh, when our clients are saying, yeah, why wouldn't I rehire you to do this again? You've, you've done such a great job for, you know, year after year. Um, so so building those long-term relationships and, and seeing those play out uh, for eight to 10 years, um, that to me are the two biggest indicators that we've been successful with serving a client. And then on a, a tertiary basis, uh, the achieved savings and the scorecard uh, that, that uh, we built over time. But, you know, if our client is happy with our services and they, they want us to remain a long-term business partner, uh, chances are we've knocked the cover off the ball on the savings side. So, um, you know, that, that that's kind of the, the side note, uh, if you will, uh, indicator. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so happy clients. That That's my biggest indicator. Um, is there anything, uh, Josh, that you wish to share that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so I would say on the incentive side, you know, you, you want to, as a, a business owner, if you're serious about putting together an incentive plan, you want to start as early as possible, as long as 12, years, 12 months out, so a year out. Um, ideally, it's at least six to nine months out ahead of, you know, the permitting, ahead of any announcements, that, that type of thing. Um, but really, you know, bringing the experience in can can make a big difference, not only with the achieved benefit, but the amount of time that you're, um, you know, having to dedicate to support that project. You know, if you bring someone who's been there, done that, they're lowering your time so that you can focus on doing what you do best, which is running your business and managing that expansion project. And so we, we just kind of take that on. Uh, take the burden off of, of a business owner's shoulders and, and, and really take care of the details for them so that, you know, that it frees up their time. And, and nowadays, you know, time is, has become more and more valuable. Um, there's a lot of distractions to any CFO or controller. And, you know, if we're able to lower those distractions, you know, even essence one big time, um, just with the time element that you can put back into the strategically planning, growing your business and, and, and taking care of the, the details there. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, Josh, with, with the success that you've had, what mm -hmm. do you see is your biggest challenge now and, and even possibly going forward? Well, I, I would say 
um, again, just getting the word out, educating the marketplace. Um, that's just a continued, you know, struggle. Um, and, uh, you know, so having podcasts like these and, and, you know, writing content articles, you know, through, through a myriad of, of organizations, you know, we're, we're getting the word out. Um, but, you know, probably the, the biggest ask is, is to just keep having qualified meetings with clients that are motivated to do something about their property tax bill or um, to, to, to gain more perspective while they're, they're growing and expanding their business to take care of these strategic areas. Gotcha. Good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, we've got uh, all of your information down below um, uh, with, you know, website and email, phone number, et cetera. Um, but can you share with our audience the best place to go to learn more about you? Sure. So um, a couple of spots that, that come to mind, Terry. Uh, first of all, our website, you know, has a background about our team uh, with JM Tax because um, I'm not the only person working with us, right? Um, so www.jmtaxadvocates.com is a great spot to, to learn about our solutions, the industry groups that we serve, uh, case studies. Um, you know, my professional bio is there, certainly. Um, I'm posted on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, so uh, feel free to tap into my LinkedIn, LinkedIn uh, profile there and connect with me. Um, and then, you know, my email is, is a great way to, to reach out at Joshua at jmtaxadvocates.com. And, um, you know, as part of that, uh, I'll respond back and provide a link to my calendar. So if you want to go ahead and, and schedule an evaluation meeting, you know, we, you can just do that through our automated scheduling tool there. That's great stuff, Josh. Uh, uh, I really appreciate you having you on today. Uh, this has been good stuff. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, maybe we can talk uh, uh, some other time because I uh, run into people all the time that uh, probably need uh, your services. So um, that's a wrap. That's great. Folks, uh, this has uh, been Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. Today we've had uh, Josh Mellingchunk or Chuck, uh, on and uh, really appreciate you being here. I'm your host, Terry DuPont, and I want you to remember two things. First of all, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And secondly, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. So I'll leave you with that. Join us next week. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. This has been the Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success podcast. If you have questions about creating tax-free wealth and income, forward-looking tax mitigation, strategic risk mitigation, wealth preservation and legacy planning, and advanced financial management, go to dupontadvisory.com or email terry at dupontadvisory.com. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.